It is talked about a lot among the people, but our voices are not those that are heard. I'm Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, contact us and we might have you on the show. Today, I'm talking to Shari Jackson-Small. She's a tribal member of the Nanticoke Nation in Delaware. She talks about COVID-19 disparities in Native Americans and offers advice for getting vaccines to tribal communities. Hello, Shari. How are you today? I'm just fine. Thank you, Dr. Lisa. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for making time to be here. We know each other through some of your behavioral health work, but that's not why we're here today. We're here today because I think we need to raise awareness about the Native American population and some of the health challenges we're seeing. So do you want to introduce yourself and uh, tell people a little bit about you and your background? Sure. My name is Shari Yvette Jackson Small, and my father is uh, Native American. His tribe are the Nanticoke people from Delaware, right where Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia all converge. They still occupy the land and are a really interesting, amazing, and wonderful people uh, to know. They're considered the water people. And most of um, the Native American tribes fall along the lines of the big sky people, the water people, the mountain people, the plains people. So we are uh, the water people. So that's me. Yeah. And you mentioned you have a Native American or a tribe name. Do you want to share that with us? Yes. What it means? Uh, the tribal name I've been given is Shining Light. And I like it because of its simplicity and the fact that we are known for naming. You don't have to do a lot of digging to interpret. And so it actually, for me, is a name to live up to rather than um, a pat on the back for any accolades that I may have received or any accomplishments I may have um, had the good fortune to experience up until now. So it actually is a motivation and an inspiring thing for me. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they named you Shining Light? My uncle, who is the current assistant chief of the Nanticoke tribe in Delaware, actually gave me that name. And he said that it was because I thought bright. And mm. when he said it, I got it. I, I I understood what that meant because I always like knew I thought 
differently. And to me, the light would go out, but sometimes the way it was received would be like, <laughs> so sometimes you can become a little doubtful. But I, I really appreciated the, the insight that um, my uncle had in giving me that yeah. particular learning. It's beautiful. We don't talk enough about the Native American population in the United States. And as you know, a lot of my work is in uh, Black populations and some in the Latinx populations, mostly through collaborations. But when we look at health statistics in this country, there we see a lot of disparities in the Native American population, but we actually don't talk about it as much as we do in the Black and Latinx community or Hispanic community. Why do you think that is? You know, sometimes that's that's kind of like a two-edged sword. It is talked about a lot among the people, but our voices are not those that are heard. We have been so marginalized, so isolated on the reservations and the focus taken off us as individuals and as people. Um, it, it, it breaks my heart and it defies comprehension of uh, the way this pandemic has decimated Native American nations. And I'm not taking anything away from any group of people that are suffering through COVID. There's no such thing as a competition here. But when we say charity starts at home and the very people who <laughs> have this land are like suffering in such disparate numbers because of their sheer locations and inaccessibilities to medical facilities, um, health and human services, social workers to come and check on them. It is uh, historic that Native Americans live to be of great age. It's, it's a blessing. And what is the life expectancy for a Native American? Well, uh, once upon a time, it used to be 89. That seems to be the max that I remember. And that was, I believe, the year my dad passed away, which was in 2012. So considering I still have two living uncles, one is 103, and the other is his brother, 105. What's their secret? I have asked that so many times, and they both say <laughs> the same thing. They have no secrets, and they really don't. They live their lives in real time. They live in houses side by side. They still walk pretty much everywhere they go, and everywhere they go is right along the, the street where they live. And if one of them so much as, as puts a toe on the street and somebody who knows them sees them, they're getting a ride still in their right mind, sharp as they can be addressing themselves, taking care of themselves. They've been widowers for decades now. And um, I've asked many times, what's the secret? What's the secret? And I guess the closest thing I could get Uncle Lame to say was, um, he said, Bob Marley says, no woman, no cry. He <laughs> said, he said um, I, guess, I guess we could learn from him. So 
Let's just let's let's just say that that we're here longer than most. We're here longer than most. We're by ourselves, but we've been here longer than most. So that's pretty funny. So back to the the health disparities. We're not talking about it. Why do you think that is? Um, it, it's really it saddens me to hear you reflect on how much the community is marginalized, unheard, unseen. It's one thing to say that the Native Americans are a proud people, but that's not to say prideful. It's to say that take pride in their culture, their historic value as being strong and, and warriors that could take care of others and now to be seen as a weak uh, demographic of people who themselves need so much that doesn't seem to be available to them just seems so so cruel at times. And we feel that, yeah, we could sit around and complain and 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 cry about this, but something must be done. So more of us feel that, okay, we need to be doing something about this those that those of us that can those of us who are being personally affected i have um mercifully most of my relatives are here in this area and they're doing fine but our sister tribes i have um some very very uh close friends in navajo nation they are my goodness, my friend has lost at least 13 relatives in less than the last six months. From COVID. From COVID. And they all live together um, in, I think, two houses that are nowhere near a hospital or even a, a really good urgent care facility. And they had to travel two days to to take each one of the family members there. And Is that by car? How are they traveling? They were traveling by horse and by car. Wow. So um, they would travel, first of all, by horse to get from the, the reservation itself. And then they would rent a car when they could get to like a major artery or thoroughfare and um, drive. You can read stories. Uh, I read a couple weeks ago how hard it is for them to have to go way out into the deserts, into the far reaches of the reservations to retrieve um, deceased um, bodies and bring them back for for embalming and, and, and readying them for burial and how often it was starting to happen that that it kind of it used to be one person's job and now it was like everybody's job it was like the volunteer fire department was like now the volunteer funeral department too to help get all of the bodies buried so it, it it's really can't be overstated, but who who's listening right now seems like not 
really anybody is. I'm curious though, in some of these remote areas, do they know how the virus is being introduced into the community? Are people having to go out and work on the front lines or is there some other phenomenon? Of the people that I know personally, they are frontline workers. Mm-hmm. They are uh, nurses, EMTs, um, fire fighters, police, um, teachers, a lot of them, ministers, uh, people that serve in the public sector because they live basically in a very rural setting. It's not so much like it's uh, happening in their schools so much. The teachers don't seem to have escaped unscathed, but they have gone largely it, it, it could have been a lot worse. And the children have, have, have done well. What about digital access? Um, are people connected, well-connected, or are they relying on smartphones? Considering um, digital access, even before the pandemic, was sketchy because of areas that, especially for like the plains people, the mountain people, the big side people, um, they, there is internet, but you need to be located near civilization. You near, need to be located near some sizable uh, town or place where there are satellites and that sort of fiber optics, whatever is needed to support internet uh, access. So that said, a lot of... Uh, Natives are doing well to have libraries or have access to um, digital uh, and technological methods through their schools, their libraries. But then that limits and kind of curtails the times and opportunities that that can happen and limits it to like the length of the school day. And um, it doesn't really serve the adults so much as it does the kids. And then, of course, when the kids come home, because it is not always uh, going to be the case that everybody has like um, uh, a landline phone to even have internet access, whether it's Wi-Fi or high speed, they may not even have a phone. There may be three phones on an entire reservation. And what about smartphones? Um, Individuals that can afford them, get them. It's not like there's any kind of government giveaway program where you can sign up to get these things. Um, And again, they work on satellites as well. You know, there are areas where you can absolutely be driving through and whip out your smartphone and see it says no service. Okay, so no service means no service. So even if you have a smartphone, you still don't have access if you are so far out. Um, And there are not any reservations that I can readily think of that actually have satellites attached to them or anywhere near them. So this is not a situation that anybody has um, uh, addressed. And I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of the reservations are starting to go dormant now because the young kids 
are moving because they're trying to keep up with the technology and they realize it can't happen on the reservation. So you mentioned it's time for us to do something about this. I'm assuming you mean the situation with health inequity uh, in, in the tribal community. What yes. do you think we need to do? I, I, feel, I think we've been talking about this and showing charts and graphs and talking about the statistics for decades, but here we are. So what do you think? I agree that this is not a new situation. This is not new ground that we're covering here. <laughs> we're not discovering fire. What needs to happen is more awareness needs to be brought about, not just to, oh, see us, see our plight, see what's going on. Because right now, I mean, I know a great deal of our focus is on the sheer numbers of humanity that are dying in India. And what, three or four months ago, India was not our focal point. Today, it is. So once again, nobody's trying to step on anybody's toes as in we are worse off than anybody else. But it is time. I mean, we're talking about sharing the vaccines outside this country, which I think is an awesome and, and really compassionate philanthropic type thing to do. But not when we have droves of Native Americans that are still dying for lack of the vaccine. Well, listen, thank you so much. This is great. I would love to continue this conversation both on and offline. Can do. And figure out how we can we can work together to help address some of these issues. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you so much for having me. That was Shari Jackson-Small, also known as Shining Light, raising awareness about the impact of COVID-19 on Native Americans and what we can do to help. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.